everybody, and welcome to another episode of my JavaScript story. This week, we're talking to Loeni Groner. I hope I got close on your name. I'm really terrible at that. Do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Remind people who you are? Um, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I love the podcast, so it's a big honor for me to participate in it. So um, my name is Loiani, as you mentioned. Um, I'm, a soft, I'm a software developer from Brazil, living in Florida right now. Uh-huh. Um, and I have been working with uh, technology for 14 years, um, in, mostly in Java and also on front end with some frameworks. And the latest framework that I'm working on right now is uh, with Angular. Nice. When I'm building a new product, G2i is the company that I call to help me find a developer who can build it. G2i is a hiring platform run by engineers that matches you with React, React Native, GraphQL, and mobile developers that you can trust. Whether you are a new company building your first product or an established company that wants additional engineering help, G2i has the talent you need to accomplish your goals. Go to g2i.co to learn more about what G2i has to offer. In my experience, G2i has linked me up with experienced engineers that can fit my budget and the G2i staff are friendly and easy to work with. They know how product development works and can help you find the perfect engineer for your stack. Go to g2i.co to learn more about G2i. Yeah, and uh, you did an episode back in November uh, on Adventures in Angular talking about creating content in Portuguese. That's correct. And so um, your Portuguese is your native language, correct? That's right. But you live in the U.S., so you've picked up English as well. Yes, and a little bit of Spanish. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, let's, let's get three of them in there. Why not four, right? <laughs> now I'm intimidated. I only know two languages. So, um, yeah, let's, let's dive in and kind of get your background a little bit. H- how did you get into programming? Um, so, after I finished high school, so this is like a long time ago, <laughs> I, I had to pick a course in college. So, in Brazil, the way it works, uh, whenever you go to college, you need to define your major right away. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't go to college and pick some uh, classes and then after that you decide. So you have to go to computer science uh, college or, you know, uh, law school or medical school and things like that. So um, I, I always liked uh, mathematics and physics. Uh, so, okay, I'm going to try to do something in engineering. And from all of the engineering courses, uh, the one that I felt the most that was like a match was computer science, just for the, for the fact that I always like to use the computer. <laughs> that was the only thing, right. like playing video games and, and stuff. Um, so that's the reason that I decided to go to, to computer, science, computer science college. Um, I didn't know anything about programming. I had no idea what to expect from the, from, from the university. And um, my first class was an algorithm class, and my professor was telling us um, how to write an algorithm to peel a potato. So he was just trying to, <laughs> to use things from our day life and try to right. um, translate it to, to an algorithm. So that was really interesting for me. Um, as most of people, whenever they are trying to learn uh, how to program, um, I had some difficulties, but then after that, like after uh, four or five months, just training a lot, um, it's when I actually started to enjoy writing programs. And that's how it all started. Nice. So can we assume you finished your CS degree? Yes, I did. Okay. Because I'm trying to create the story here, right? And just kind of get a feel for, Mm -hmm. okay. So you you finished your CS degree. 
Then what? Um, so when I was still in college, I got my first job opportunity. I was in the second year. Um, uh-huh. So it was like a, a junior developer in Java. And that's when I also had my first um, experience with JavaScript. Back then, uh, Gmail was a thing. So Ajax was still the new hype in, in, in the front end. World. Oh, the good old days. Yep. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, so we used to debug with alerts on the screen. You just put a lot of alerts, see which ones will be displayed, and then you know exactly where mm-hmm. your, <laughs> your issue is on the code. Um, so I stayed two years on this company. So I had the uh, experience working with Java development and also a little bit with uh, JavaScript, just plain JavaScript, no frameworks. Right. jQuery, I don't think jQuery even existed back then. Um, so it, it was it was it was pretty nice. And uh-huh. after that, um, I had another job also as a, as a Java developer. Um, that's when I also worked a little bit with uh, JavaScript. Back uh-huh. then, we were still using JSPs on Java and a little bit of Scriptlet, and uh, there was still a little bit of JavaScript just to make a few things work on the screen, with right. very basic stuff. And on my third job, um, this is when I was still living in uh, Vitoria. Uh, which is uh, my hometown in, in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And then I had opportunity to move to Sao Paulo for a new job. And that's when I actually started working more with front end and in jQuery and uh, other JavaScript frameworks, such as the Sencha EXTJS. That right. was a big thing back then as well. Oh man, I had a contract working on EXTJS and I personally didn't enjoy it, but uh, some people were really gung-ho about it. Um, it, it's interesting that your your career kind of followed a path of both Java and JavaScript, right? A lot of people I talk to, it's, well, I got into Java or Ruby or Python or this or that, and then I got into web, and then eventually something happened that kind of made them follow that transition all the way into JavaScript. And it sounds like your course has been more, you know, that you're still doing Java and you're still doing JavaScript, and so you're working um, full stack, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. Um, s- since the beginning, I've always worked with uh, web projects. Mm-hmm. And um, with all the companies that I have worked with, uh, they're all usually the task that y- you-, you are responsible to do the end-to-end, the, okay. the screens and also the back-end, connecting to the, the data- database and everything. Yep. So, Very cool. So do do you feel like that's given you kind of a different background from a lot of other angular developers and what do you think the advantages or disadvantages of that are i think i think it's nice um i've always been curious to to know how things work mm-hmm. and um i think that knowing how the back end works whenever i'm coding the front end or uh whenever i start coding the front end, I, I already know the things that I have to do in order to be able to uh, link my front end to the back end, so the API. So I think that gives a, a good background, especially when you are designing new APIs, and it's a good mm-hmm. thing that you can um, keep in mind all the optimizations that you'll need to do on the back end to make sure that you are sending only what you needed for the front, front end and, and vice versa. Um, but if you're also working in a team that it's in sync, if you only have front front end developers and you only have developers that are going to work on the back end as well, if the team is in sync, I think you can achieve basically the the same thing. It's just a matter how right. how the team um, works. Right. 
I, I guess what I'm wondering too is we run into a lot of cases where people feel overwhelmed at all of the things that they have to keep track of and try and learn and things like that. And so I'm wondering how do you stay up to date on all that stuff? Um, I, I, I personally think that it's impossible to know everything. Um, it doesn't matter if you are only a backend developer or only a front-end developer, especially on the front-end right now that there are so many frameworks and so many libraries. Um, what I try to do is try, I try to pick my, my topics, you know, things that I'm interested in and um, take a look at that. Uh, maybe read a tutorial, uh, watch some YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And then if I'm really interested in the subject, then I try to... Uh, read a book and deep dive into the documentation and all that stuff, um, but but it's really it's it's really difficult and sometimes I have to pick exactly what topics that I would like to spend more time with, and um, unfortunately I cannot spend like learn everything that I want to. There are so many things out right. there, so just prioritize and then deal with that. That makes sense. Um, one other thing that I'm I'm kind of curious is we progress here is at what point did you start documenting things, especially in Portuguese? So I was still in college. So I've been blogging for um, 11 years, 11, 12 years. Uh -huh. um, so back in college, um, I, I used to work during the day and then mm -hmm. go to my classes at night. So that's okay. very common in Brazil, um, especially because they know people need to work to provide for themselves. So I wish to work during the day and go to college at night. And right after I graduated, I had all that spare time at night. So right. it was something new, you know, you spend three years of your life just uh, every single day with no vacations, uh, working and then going to call it at night and suddenly you have all that spare time. Um, so I started playing video games and then um, with a few months, I saw that that was becoming an issue because I needed to do something that was more useful. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to create a blog. And okay. Yeah, so my, my first, my first uh, post series was about a few things that I've learned in my first job. So I just decided to document what I was learning back then and it kind of like became a reference for me. Mm -hmm. So whenever I needed to go back, I could go back to my blog and I had that uh, particular subject or topic over there. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, I did some blogging early on. I mean, eventually I wound up doing podcasts, but yeah, a lot of it, back then was, oh, I ran into this problem or I got this error or things like that. And yeah, so I put in and here's how I solved it, right? And sometimes it was for me. And sometimes I found that uh, that particular post was getting a ton of traffic because it wasn't just me, right? It was, yeah. it, it was other people on the internet. And so it's like, oh, there, there are thousands of people that have this same thing go on. And one thing that is nice that sometimes when I still have issues, I Google it and then I see a link. It's from my blog. So, oh, I did that already. So I can go back to that. <laughs> I already knew that. And now I'm going to know it again. Yep. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, so, yeah. So how did you wind up getting into uh, JavaScript in, I guess, a more serious way? Because it sounds like you were doing Ajax and you were doing jQuery, which is a a place that I went through, right, with my career, 
but I wasn't super serious about it. I was much more serious about the back end technology. So when did the front end technology start to take a more serious role in your career? Um, so when I was working in my third job, um, I started doing more full stack development, like front end and back end as well. And mm-hmm. it's when I started working with uh, EXUJS. So okay. I started blogging about EXUJS. Back then, uh, I was working for this company, and my manager was here in the U.S. as well. So all the communication was also in English. And I felt that I also needed to practice a little bit more. So that's when I also started to blog in English. Gotcha. Um, and then after that, when I was posting all the tutorials um, about EXUJS and also Java plus EXUJS, mm-hmm. um, I got a an invite um, from Package uh, Package Publishing to write a book for them. Oh so, wow! And then I started taking things more serious on the front end as well because I thought I mean it was something that I really liked doing. And then suddenly I was getting all this um, um, marketing and um, attention from the publisher, and mm-hmm. things got a little bit serious. So it was nice. Right. What was your book about? Um, the first one was about EXJS 4. Okay. Um, so it was just what's new and then uh, some, some tutorials as well explaining how things work um, around the framework. Makes sense. Yeah, like I said before, EXT wasn't my favorite framework to work in. And so, yeah, um, that said, I mean, if you really understood it, I'm sure you could do some pretty terrific stuff with it. But it was just different enough from what I had worked in to where, yeah, I was looking for something different. But, uh, you know, yeah, so you have a book out. H- how did you wind up making the transition from uh, EXT over to Angular? So um, when, I, when I used to work with the XJS, uh, Sencha back then, they also released a mobile framework, Sencha Touch. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I used to go to conferences and uh, present talks about the topic, you know, uh, mobile development with Cinch Touch and also XJS. And um, a friend of mine that was also in this conference, he mentioned, have you heard about Ionic? Uh-huh. And Ionic back then was in uh, the alpha version, the first version. So, and Ionic was using uh, AngularJS. That's when I had my first uh, contact with AngularJS. AngularJS was already very popular back then. um, But since I was working with one framework, I didn't do the transition to work with the more like HTML and JavaScript driven because Sencha, Mm -hmm. as you know, it's more like uh, object oriented and uh, you basically work only with JavaScript, no HTML. Um, So I looked up Ionic and I thought this is really nice because it was also based on Cordova. Um, and it was when I started to learn a little bit about AngularJS as well. So I could also do a little bit of transitioning to um, Ionic. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. 
That's devchat.tv slash job book. So you were doing Onyx, you were doing uh, mobile development. A little bit, yeah. Just some very simple projects. I got you. And and that was all just for your personal interest? Um, Personal interest. And then uh, I started working uh, as well. Uh, The company that I used to work for, um, they had uh, the needs as well to do some... Uh some web development and then becoming like shipping to the, to the stores as well, the application. Right. And you stuck it out through Angular 2? Yeah. So when they have announced uh, that they were releasing a new version, um, it's when it hit me. Okay. So I have another, an opportunity here to uh, learn a new technology and since the beginning and then just follow all the trends. Uh-huh. And eventually I knew, uh, I was already working at my current company. So this is my uh, fourth job. Um, so the company that I'm currently working with, they have uh, used AngularJS as well. Uh, they have used uh, Yaxu.js, but also AngularJS. Mm-hmm. So when they have released, um, when Google released Angular version 2, um, it hit me that this can potentially be used here at work as well. So I'm just going to, try and uh, learn it before everyone does and right. i really fell in love with the framework so uh, it's been two or three years now since angular is uh, is out angular 2 is out yeah nice so you're still at the same company and you're still doing angular there yes now we have switched to angular two two and a half years or something yeah. right and you've been blogging about angular this entire time um, blogging and also uh, putting out some YouTube videos. So when, um, when Angular version 2 was announced, there was no material in Portuguese, only in English. And uh-huh. uh, since I've always uh, enjoyed just creating content as well and putting out there, um, and nowadays my main platform is YouTube, I decided to put out like a course, an Angular version 2 plus uh, course, uh-huh. Uh, in, in Portuguese and go through each of the steps like a book, but uh, in a video, um, video right. format. That's interesting. So you've transitioned now from blogging to YouTube. Yes. Very I still blog cool. sometimes, but not as often um, as before. So what's your approach to doing YouTube videos then? Um, I, really, I really like to create videos of things that I'm... Uh, I'm learning. And um, as I mentioned, I had this idea to do this like book format, but in video format, um, Mm -hmm. like a really long uh, course. So I have published 150 videos on Angular on YouTube. Oh, wow. And just from creating a project with the Angular CLI to how to use ng-if, ng-4 to routing. And I tried to go through all the details. and then publish one short video, usually maximum 15 minutes. It's something that really needs that, that long and do something more practical and showing how, how to do that. It's mostly a tutorial. Right. So what are you working on now? Um, so now I am, um, I'm trying, since I, I just completed this very long video course, uh, it took me a little bit more than two years to publish all the videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I have a few ideas to what uh, publish next. 
Um, I want to do a little, something that is a little bit more like end to end. There are a lot of topics that I didn't uh, cover, cover in my original series. Uh, state management with NGRX, which is something that I really like as well. And um, a little bit more on Angular material. I didn't cover Angular material at all uh, during the course. So this is something that I have a few people asking for. And um, also um, in the course, I have covered mostly Angular uh, it's by itself. But you know, whenever we are working on a project, it's never just Angular. It's usually Angular with a backend. We need right. something to connect to a database and uh, um, have some business logic and whatnot. So planning to cover that as well. So I'm going to pick a language. It's probably going to be Java since it's the one that I have a more experience with. Right. Uh, but NASJS is also very interesting. So it's something that it's, it's very familiar to Angular. And it's also very familiar to Spring. Um, it's very, uh, the, the source code looks very uh, like. So if you get a source code in SJS and a controller class, for, for example, and a, and a controller class written in Java Spring, it's almost the same thing. If you hide the imports uh, on the top of the page, it's basically the same code, so. Oh, interesting. It's, I didn't realize cool. it was so close to Spring. I've heard a few people talk about how nice it is since I know Angular, I can, you know, I can do Nest.js. And so it, it's interesting to hear that it's familiar to people who are doing Spring. That, that's really cool. So when, when can we uh, expect to see some of those videos out? Is that something that you're doing right now or is it something that is coming soon or? That's probably on the second semester this year. I have a few other uh, projects. I'm working right now on a workshop for a conference that I have on May. So mm -hmm. that's um, consuming all of my spare time at the moment. Um, but after that, uh, I'll, I'll start working on the on recording. I already have all the idea laid out and uh, the outline and stuff, but I just need to get my hands on and um, record it and then edit and then publish. Right. And I find this all extremely inspiring and exciting, right? Because, and one of the things that I try to do with this show is just show that, hey, you know, um, Loyani and some of the other folks out there, they're human beings, right? It's not like you have superpowers and so you can get three times done as, as much done as anyone else. It's just that you're doing it, right? You're you're, you're driven to do it. You're smart enough to do it. You're, you know, you, you explain things well, so you've got the skills to do it. So you just do it. Um, so let's say that somebody else is out there and they're thinking, okay, you know, th this sounds like something I can actually do, right? This sounds approachable. You know, I, I try and do the same thing with like podcasts, right? And just explain to people, look, this is, you know, it's not, it's not as hard as you think it is. There are things to know, but it's not, impossible, right? So if, if people are feeling like this is something they could do, how do they start getting onto YouTube and talking about Angular and doing the kinds of things that you're doing? What's your process look like? Um, when I started, because um, people were asking me to create more content in, in after I published the books, uh, the books were uh, written in English. Mm -hmm. um, and then people, okay, so you are Brazilian, but you're publishing content in English. There are so many content out there in English and we need something more in, in Portuguese. Um, and YouTube was really growing back then. Um, okay, so let me try a new platform. Um, so I just got a software that records my screen. A screen mm -hmm. flow for Mac. So screen flow, yep, I use that. Yeah. 
and I used the the, the microphone that came with my iPhone. You know that the, the oh, old really? one. Yeah, so I didn't have any any special microphone or things like that. So I just started very simple. So I needed a software just to capture my screen and then something that I could re record my voice. Uh -huh. um, and I started with that. So you can start pretty simple. You don't need any fancy equipment, at least for YouTube videos. Just start with what you have. Um, and... Um, People will start watching your videos. Just do it for fun. You know, I think it's really important that you have fun doing all these things because otherwise it can be, it looks like work, uh -huh. <laughs> but it shouldn't look like work. You know, it's just um, you trying to contribute and having fun and contribute to the community as well. I think this is a, a really nice, um, a really nice thing that we have going on with the technology community. Mm -hmm. You know, we have so many people uh, posting materials and uh, publishing things. Um, you can learn a new language for free on YouTube, um, and I think this is what what is really nice. So if you wanna just get started, um, just go to a room, a quiet room. Um, just prepare your content and uh, record and publish over there and, you know, start slow. Yep. Makes and over sense. time, over time, if you like it, then you can start investing in a nice microphone, maybe buy a webcam, you know, just uh, improve a little bit. Uh huh. Makes sense. So yeah, it, it's interesting too, because you're talking about, I'm putting together a course now on how to do podcasts because people ask. And yeah, it's like, this is a microphone that you already have because it came with your iPhone and it's a decent mic. It's, it's, it's not the one that I would pick long-term, but yeah, you know, getting started, it's approachable. And yeah, you just get in, you talk about what you're excited about and talk about what you're, you know, what you're doing and things like that. And then it grows into something else. And so, yeah, it's, it's exciting. And yeah, people want the content, so they'll just keep coming. So yeah, anyway, super exciting. Do you have any um, recommendations for things uh, for people to get? Because developers tend to have at least some money that they can spend on this. So if, if somebody had a few hundred dollars to spend on getting kind of a, a starting uh, YouTube setup, what would you recommend that they pick up? Um, I used my first uh, nice microphone was a Blue Yeti. So that's a microphone you can get for a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. And it's a nice one as well. It's USB, so you don't need any other equipment. Um, right now I'm using one that I'm really liking it. It's the Rode uh, Procast, Procaster, uh -huh. something like that. Um, with a, it's a different microphone because it's not USB, so it doesn't peak as many um, like background sound. So it's a little bit nicer. Um, I think it's also good for podcasts <laughs> if you're looking to start a podcast. And mm -hmm. I have a um, Scarlett uh, interface as well just to connect to my computer. And that's basically it. It's something that I have invested on in the last couple of years. Nice. All right. We'll get links to all that stuff in the show notes. Um, in fact, if you can uh, just put in the, like the, the brand and the product, that would be awesome in the chat. We'll make sure that we get links to those in the show notes. Sure, we'll do. Awesome. Uh, if people want to reach out to you and they're thinking, okay, I want to do this in, you know, maybe they speak 
Japanese or Italian or whatever. And they're thinking, okay, you know, I want to make content for those communities or um, just in general, um, you know, people are thinking about getting into YouTube. Can they reach out to you and ask you questions? And if you, if they can, what's the best way to do that? Sure. Um, I'm more active on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So you can uh, DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open and I'll be, um, very happy to share with you a few tips and um, help you to get started. Nice. And what's your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, it's at Loyani. Oh, okay. Do you want to spell that out for people? Okay. It's uh, Loyani, L-O-I-A-N-E. Nice. All right. Um, well, I'm going to move us into picks. Is there, uh, is there anything that you want to shout out about or let people know about that you're really enjoying these days? Um, technology related or can be non. It can be anything. Um, so recently I started playing video games again. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I ran from it. Now I'm starting to go back in, um, uh, playing World of Warcraft, something mm. that I really like. It doesn't have an end, so you can play whenever you feel like it. It's online and then. <laughs> yeah. Some people like it, some people don't. And also, I'm really hooked into The Mandalorian. Oh, good um, show. Yeah, baby, oh, they're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How they, how they managed to not have that spoiled before it even came out, I do not know. They kept it a secret. It was really, really good. Yeah, they did a terrific job. Because it's like, what's in that little thing? And then, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> And of course, um, I, I understand that the guy that created it, he's like, it's not Yoda. <laughs> we all know that, but we don't know what to call it. So anyway, um, I'm going to throw in some picks as well. Um, uh, this is a pick that I've done on probably every other show, but this one, just because of our recording schedule for um, my angular story, but it is uh, the expanse. And that's a TV series. It was started by sci-fi. Sci-fi canceled it, made me very sad. Um, Amazon Prime picked it up, and that made me very happy. So um, they just released season four. And uh, anyway, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I think I'm like two or three episodes in. They're, yeah, they, it, it's, they're sticking pretty close to the book. So uh, anyway, I've, I've enjoyed that as well, but I really, really like um, what they're doing there. So I'm going to pick that. The books are also terrific. So I'll pick the expanse books and then, um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to shout out about the, the podcasting course as well. It is in pre-sales right now because the course is not done. Um, I'm planning on putting up just a few videos a week and then I'll have office hours so that if I don't have a video up for where you're stuck at yet, um, then you can ask and I can just walk you through it on the video or on the, the live call. So um, if you're interested in starting a podcast um, and, and, and yeah, it's kind of topical to our conversation. Um, I'm going to go through equipment. I'm going to go through everything, um, you know, growing it, monetizing it, the whole nine yards. You can find it at uh, podcastplaybook.co. Um, and so if you go check that out, it, you know, it'll all be there and you can go sign up for the course and I'll walk you through how we do podcasts. I'll also be covering, cause I've done solo podcasts, interview podcasts, co-hosted podcasts and panel podcasts. 
And so I'll walk you through the process of, okay, you want to find a co-host. Here's how you do it. Here's how you set up your mic. Here's how you use your mic. Here's how you find sponsors. Here's how you um, grow your audience. Here are some of the tips and tricks to social media and SEO. I mean, it's not going to be comprehensive necessarily in SEO and, you know, those kinds of things, but it'll give you the basics so you can get stuff out there. So anyway, um, yeah, those are, those are my picks. That's cool. Um, but yeah, so yeah, this has been a fun conversation. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully we'll have you back, find something to talk about, you know, beyond uh, creating content in Portuguese, but yeah, I, I'd love to have you back on the show. So we'll figure that out. And uh, until next time, max out, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.